Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Talk about today is this... Um, so the nurturing joy on the spiritual path is it's very, very, very central. Sometimes when we sit, we practice meditation, there's a lot of bad news. You know, we see the mind being scattered, disinterested, grumpy, you know, um, denying stuff, you know, avoiding bypassing, you know, <laughs> uh, going into planning just not to feel the little moment now, you know, I don't want to feel, I prefer to plan, let me plan, I can plan for a whole half hour until you ring the bell, I'll plan and plan, 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 you know, because I don't want to feel alive, you know, <laughs> it's threatening, you know, and so all these things we discover as we sit, you know, and, and, uh, and it's also part of the meditation practice, part, part of the mindfulness practice, we want to see all these little patterns, it's very important not to be judgmental again, just to see like, oh, look how this is, you know, it goes straight to rehashing the past, it goes straight to fearing the future, you know, and we learn to abandon this slowly. So a non-judgmental mind that can recognize what the patterns of the mind that are not so helpful, that are entangling, that's the, the world, word that is used in this tradition, it's entangling, it's stressful, it's not onward leading, it's not liberating, it's not good for me, not for others, because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, this is... A, how I carry myself around, you know, and how, what I act from, this fear of the moment, you know, and how I am and how I should be, and these ideas that I should be otherwise, the other should be otherwise. All these are being revealed when we sit and when we slow down. This is not easy to do, you know. And so that's one part of the spiritual practice, is to become fully conscious, mindful, pleinement conscient of these things, you know, and without judging, learning how to not feed them, not to be in the trance of that, in the habit of that, feeding this, you know, releasing this. So that's kind of half of the job. The other half is very important, is to recognize what in the mind is wholesome, beautiful, liberating, noble, a uh, kind of aesthetic, we could say, of the mind, you know, of the heart, to recognize this and to nurture this. Yeah. So that's the kind of other half. And today I wanted to talk a lot about this other half, you know. And actually, they're not so separate, because as we sit and we pay attention, this is a beautiful um, quality of mind, the paying, caring, paying attention. Jack Cornfield these days uses a lot of, um, of a loving awareness. Mm. Loving awareness. So as we do this, we are as we encounter these difficult patterns of mind, difficult for us and for others, we meet them with care. So it's like it's going like this. The bad stuff is like kind of disintegrating in the light of consciousness, of mindfulness, and the beautiful qualities of care and not judgmental mind, non-violent mind are becoming reinforced, you know. So that makes for a mind that will be, as I was saying earlier, more pliable, able to meet the challenges, the joys and the challenges of life, you know, more pliable, also more confident. Oh, 
I can be there. I can be there in a non-troubling way for myself and for others. You know, I can be there in a helpful way. I can contribute here, even though there's a conflict or there's confusion. I, I, can, I, I can have a kind of a stability of mind, balance of mind. So these are the things that uh, we develop. And joy is very much part of this. The joy, not the fake joy, not like I should be joyful, like let me put on a joyful face. Not that. This is not what we're going for. We're going for the real, real kind. The kind that maybe is born out of um, kindness, out of commitment to be there, out of a lot, out of curiosity, as thinking of uh, different, um, different characters or uh, beings that I know that I, to me have a lot of wisdom. They are very wise beings, and many of them have joy in their field. You know, they they have the particular joy that matches their personality. But still, there's something there that that has uh, that has the, the name of joy that is there. And one of them that you might know of is um, Sylvia Borstein. Sylvia Borstein is a very dear teacher of mine. And she, uh, I don't know how old she is, is now. She was, might be, maybe, or how young she is. She, <laughs> might, she might be, s- she's in her 70s for sure. And you can see that there's been decades of developing a curious mind. She's, she's been very, very curious about life. What is happening inside, like the Buddha was saying, internally, externally. Be attentive. What's happening internally, externally? And she, she, she spent decades being attentive to what's happening inside of me. What is this that is welling? What is this that is crumbling? What is She's curious and curious, oh, what's happening between us right now, between us, us a group, or me and my partner, or, you know, what's happening? Now? Oh, what's happening? She's very curious, and it gives her a, a certain kind of joy that is, that is in the Buddhist teaching. You can read about this joyful curiosity. It develops out of this paying attention, paying attention. The mind becomes a kind of a playful curious, so it's it's um, it's it's uh, it doesn't feel so threatened by shame or confusion or fogginess or disinterest. It's, it's not threatened by it so much. It's like oh look at this, the mind wants to shrink. Oh, this being wants to disappear. Oh, it wants to be somebody. It, it wants to not exist. Oh, look at it. How interesting. Like I, covered by shame right now, not wanting to be. You know. It feels like this. Do you see this quality? It's an amazing quality of mind. It's very liberating. Can you feel it? So if there is a difficult mind state, then the mind's like, oh, look at that. Look at that. Like self-loathing. Like the mind really wants to put one down, you know. Look at that. It really wants to push down. Or it really wants to control the other. Like, I'm going to get you to say what I want you you know like oh look at this little mind you know it's like all like this like I'm I'm gonna get what I want you know and you know you're gonna end up doing what I want you know and I'm, I'm gonna you know strategize and you know do everything I need like and, oh look at this little mind you know dangerous little mind you know and so the mind can become curious that's one of the qualities uh, that I feel uh, in uh, Sylvia, when I hear her or, or, uh, or uh, spend time with her. And by the way, uh, just as a side note, if you want, you're like, oh, who's this Sylvia? 
there's a website called Dharma Seed. Many of you know this site, Dharma Seed. And you can go on this website and search for Sylvia. She probably has hundreds of uh, teachings like something like what I'm doing today, you know. And many others. You can go there and, and listen to people like this. Um, and so there's this particular kind of joy, the curi- curios- uh, joyful curiosity. That's the, the description of it that is there. There's other kinds of joys. Uh, and I brought my computer because I was looking yesterday at um, poems from Rio Khan, uh, maybe about 200 years ago, a monk, uh, Asian monk, who had a lot of joy. He was a very playful um, character. And... Um, and I wanted to bring some of the poems because I want to look at, like, there's something in the Buddhist uh, teachings, th- there's a lot of psychology and uh, it can get very, very precise and uh, what are the states of mind and how they can be developed and it's, it can deconstruct a lot what is wholesome and what is unwholesome, you know, what is, the, what is entangling and what is liberating and it, there's a lot of theory about it and practices about it. And then when you read Ryokan, there's no, there's no, uh, it seems, let's put it this way, it seems like it's very spontaneous. You think the guy has always been like this, you know. But when you look into it and you discover that this being has been practicing with great dedication for decades and decades, what comes out looks very spontaneous and almost naive and playful, but is actually the result of a progressive path, you know. And so that's why I want to come here and talk about this stuff today. It's like, oh, you don't, you, you don't just wish you were like this, you know, like, oh, I wish I was like Ryokan, but I'm not. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I'm a fearful, grumpy, anxious little person, <laughs> you know. And it's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like, it's not a question of wi- only will. It's not only like, let me change, you know, it's not just like that. There's a way that one can bring beautiful qualities to the mind and they will start to these qualities will appear in a very shaky way like oh it just appeared for a second and then of course it disappeared and then oh it appeared and it stayed for a while in the mind I could actually feel the calm you know it was it was really there I could feel the calm I could feel the spaciousness you know and in time this can become a character that we have, like a way that somebody else would describe us, say like, oh, you know, you're so attentive, you, you, they think you've been like this your whole <laughs> life, but you're like, no, I actually put on in my hours, you know, I showed up, <laughs> I developed this, this uh, attention, you know, so now today it feels very natural, like, oh, so attentive, well, no, I was very, uh, very intentional about it, you know, so let's just try a few of the poems of Rio Khan if you want. And many of them you might have heard, but I think it's always good, like good storytelling. You know, you go back in things that are known, and it's just delicious to hear again. That's how it is for me. Very short, so you better pay attention. It's going to be gone in a second. Last year, a foolish monk. This year, no different. <laughs> It might look like nothing, you say, but there's, to me there's a lot of depth into this. There's the, the letting go of expectations of being otherwise. So many of us go around carrying this kind of uh, 
this other being that I should be, you know, that I should be, and I might come to meditation with that improvement project, you know, I should be somebody else, you know, and, and he's done his practice so much so that now he doesn't expect to not be full, you know, but he's also not abandoning, you know, this is somebody who's practicing hard every day, who lives in a little hut with almost nothing, you know, and he's spent his nights being cold and paying attention to cold and his summer days being hot, you know, no AC, you know, and paying attention, saying, how can the mind stay stable and free? when the conditions are not exactly right. Because as we know, the conditions are not always perfectly right. Most of the time they're actually a little off in some ways, you know. Really off with, you know, uh, uh, you know, dis-ease or loss, grief, or a little off because the person that I work with, they're almost perfect, but if they were a little bit more like this, you know, yeah, and so you spend a lot of time trying to see how can a mind be stable and open in uh, in all kinds of conditions, and so he ends up saying, last year a full uh, a foolish monk, this year no different. Mm. It's relaxed about it, you know. It's like hell. Oh, this is how it is. This mind, you know. Last night I was uh, teaching and I was mentioning some of this stuff. And I was saying, oh, I'm reminded of uh, Ajahn Suchito, another monk, alive, this one, that is very inspiring to me. And Ajahn Suchito, maybe I told this story here, but I like this story. As a monk, uh, uh, monks and nuns, uh, monastics, they make vow not to watch entertainment, not to be entertained. They say... Uh, we're not going to divert the attention to pleasurable things. We're going to actually learn how to have a happy mind, a joyful mind, an easeful mind, a spacious mind, without it being provided from the outside. You know, so that's a kind of a exploration they do. Some of them over a lifetime. So Ajahn Suchito, again, decades, maybe thirty, going on forty years of practice, haven't s- hasn't seen a movie in decades takes the plane to go from uh, England to America to come to teach. In the plane, there's a movie. They said, I don't get the, um, the earphones because it's in my vow. I'm not going to entertain myself. But the image is right in my face, so I watch a little bit of the movie, you know, as a study of human uh, <laughs> psychology <laughs> and the human heart. And he says, then I understand why our Westerners, and maybe you might even have said Americans, <laughs> so neurotic. He said, what I was watching was this movie called um, Electra. It's a kind of a wonder superwoman. You know, and he, said, he was saying, like, I don't know what she was saying exactly, but I could <laughs> see that her hair was always perfect. Her makeup was perfect, and she was fighting with really bad guys, you know, and throwing them. And then she was having conversation. You could see that she always has the right line, you know, like she's always like, tack, you know, like somebody says something, and she's like, tack, you know, and you could see they're like, oh, my God, you know. And he's like, and me, like I've practiced all my life. I get to the airport, and they say window or aisle, and I'm like, uh, well, I, I, 
Well, I don't know, should, should I, you know? I'm confused. I'm, I'm a little uh, stunned by the question, you know? And then the next question comes, did you make your bag yourself, you know? And he's saying like, and I'm like, uh, did I make my bag? My, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did, did I? You know? It's like, I'm no Electra, you know? <laughs> Electra would have had like a straight line, like very quick, you know? And so a foolish monk last year, this year, the same, you know? And so can that be okay? You know, can there be a freedom with not being the perfect being that we wanted to be or should be or, you know? And so something in that is uh, liberating. So there can be the joy, the playfulness of like, oh, look at that. I'm still a little bit of a mess, you know? <laughs> How cute, you know? <laughs> Another, I mean, there's many of them here, but they all have amazing depth. This one... You might have heard also the teeth, the thief, the thief, thief, thief. I chose the wrong <laughs> poem, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Foolish Pascal last year. <laughs> Next year, the same. Uh, the thief <laughs> left it behind, the moon at the window. We're talking about somebody who just was uh, the stuff stolen, you know, somebody who doesn't own much, you know, a bowl, a razor for, to shave the head, maybe a little something to contain a little water jug with a, something to pour the water, maybe like four or five things, you know, comes back, it's all gone, you know, they don't have tool to make another bowl, you know, the bowl is very important, that's how they go to the village to get their food, how do you get your one meal a day if you don't have a bowl in your hands. That's not going to be easy, you know. They come back to their hut, everything is gone. They've been violated in this way. They own very little. They trust the world, you know, but the world takes like this. What do they, what do they come out with? As a, what, what do they have to say? This is what they have to say. They have to say, oh, the thief took everything, but no. They left the most important, the moon at the window. And so maybe, and when I hear this, I think, this is a wise being. They're able to slow down and say, oh, this is a stressful situation. Maybe it's important here to brighten the mind. Maybe it's important to bring balance. Because this is a tricky situation to find oneself in. How can we bring balance? Not denial, but how can we bring a lightness, some, something, a playfulness, I don't know exactly what happened in their heart, but something was wise there, you know. And as they look around, oh, look at that. The moon is there. There's nothing more beautiful. And it provides light, and, and it's part of nature. It's offered freely, and it's there. And so this wisdom, this depth of wisdom, for me, comes from what we do when we come to sit. And, and not only sitting, is the paying attention. I actually don't care so much about the form, form it takes. You know. I think it's important to sit a little bit every day and reconnect with this kind of value of listening. Let me just take a moment and not be efficient. And hear life. You know, and discover who's here, not just a tool to go through the list of things to do, you know, not just something you can manipulate all day, you know, but 
and fragile in a way animal that is breathing with the sensitive art heart you know and just take time for that and by doing this as we sit and doing this as we go up and down stairs and meet the fresh air or the cold air or the warm air or as we sit in the car in the subway being really attentive to the fact that we're sitting right now you know, and this is happening bringing this is what leads to somebody coming home with everything gone and saying like oh the moon is still there I have enough attention to notice what is not gone you know that is quite something you know this is why we want to pay attention here and just by the way the moon at the window is actually uh, in the, the symbol of uh, of the moon in these poems is awakening it represents awakening and so Rio Khan is also saying it, the conditions can't affect me in this way because my heart has been cleared has been cleared of expectation that it cannot it could only flow it should only flow it should only go well that it should only be pleasant that you know this is gone I've cleared that I know that things happen all kinds of things happen and I'm willing to be there for it for reality as it is shaky uncertain I've seen the impermanence of things our things are there and then gone not at the moment you think they should be sometimes often you know I've paid attention enough to see how things are shaky uncertain so when I come back and things are gone it's fine I have the wisdom for me I have the moon I have this light of the moon yeah. there's another one that I uh, enjoy very much is there some stuff in there for you I think there is huh? this one I is a, is a whole other teaching I find they all can look very simple I think and, and they have amazing depth to them this one says my legacy what will it be flowers in the spring the cuckoo in summer and the crimson maples of autumn my legacy what will it be this question so anxiety making you know who will I become who will I be what will I leave behind what will be my, the traces who will care for me when I'm old who will, you know like all these questions about me me and me and my duration what will happen to me in the next few months and years and you know and what you know all this and when I'm gone who will think of me and when you know all this kind of anxiety we have about this me subject this this thing we created you know of me and how I'm perceived and how I should do and you know all all this you know we can spend a lot of time in that kind of anxious place of me and how they think of me and how I should control how they can I control what they'll think of me and I don't know, you have your own version, probably, and maybe describing mine, you know. And I have several. <laughs> I can go for days with me, you know. And so that's how I hear this. You know, who knows what he said exactly, but 
That's what I hear. My legacy. What will it be? Anxiety. What will I leave behind? Did I, did I, you know, did I make enough of things? Was I enough efficient? Or, you know, and then it's like, suddenly comes back to a very simple answer. Flowers in the spring, the cuckoo in summer, and the crimson maples of autumn. What I hear in this, I hear somebody who paid so close attention, so close attention, that, and that um, has a link with something I said in, while we were sitting. I was saying, let your consciousness become the breath. Let your knowing become the feeling in the hands. Let your in, let you be, let go of your story. Let yourself become fully the sound that is happening right now. And so, my sense is something like this happened to Ryokan. He paid enough attention that he discovered, oh, actually, it's a made-up story. Ryokan or Pascal is a made-up story, or Claire spend a lot of time telling the story of this being, but in the moment, what is actually happening if I don't bring the story that I'm telling? I was born there, and this is what happened to me, and this where I want to go, and this is what could happen to me, and this is what should have happened or could have happened if I had not been that foolish, or they hadn't been like this. Let go of all this, that our mind constructions, generations of the mind, fiction, you could almost say, yeah? Let go of this and just be there. Be a consciousness that can meet. A consciousness that, for all of us, doesn't have a form, doesn't have a color. It just knows, it just meets what's there. And let, this, let it do its job fully of what it does so well. Let this consciousness know the world. Feel the tingling in the hands. Become the tingling and seeing past. past and then feel the heat, totally. And so when he says, my sense is when he says, what legacy will be mine, you know? Well, I know deeply that sounds arise, and cold is cold, and I know fully that I'm nature. I'm not apart from nature. I was made by nature sustained by nature. Everything that is alive and known and experienced is nature. And nature will continue. It will do its thing. Maybe not in the personalized and identified and owned way and stressful way that I've kind of understood it, you know. But the more I practice, the more I pay attention, the more I can see that I can disappear very regularly and it's actually a good thing for everybody. <laughs> you know, a good thing for myself. I don't have to be there, Pascal, all the time. There can be just a body breathing, hear, hearing, heart beating, you know, tenderness there, anger, anxiety, uh, spaciousness. They can all be there. They don't have to be owned by anybody. I don't have to claim these. I don't have to define these by you know, define me by these things. I can let go of this defining and just allow life to happen. Allow <coughs> generosity to be generous. Allow, you know, care to be caring. Allow clarity to be clear, you know. Because uh, when I do define myself by these things, when they change, it's stressful. 
Oh, I thought I was intelligent, so in front of people I'm stupid, you know. Oh, intelligence is there, availability is there, malleability is there, rigidity is here, stupidity is here, you know. <laughs> Memory is gone, uh, cleverness is gone, you know. Et voila, it's nature. And so that's what I hear, and what will be my legacy? The cuckoo singing will take care of itself. You know. This, I'm saying this because all this is, is how joy arises, is when the self-identification releases a bit, you know. Oh, it's so freeing, you know. I can still take care of things. I can still be responsible, you know, take care of business, take care of my words and speech and thoughts, and I can take care of this, but don't have to hold it, don't have to, you know. And then, ah, death is a little bit less threatening, you know, because I can see that the I comes and goes, you know. That it doesn't have to be so fixed. I'm there, and what will happen to me, you know, like, oh, this is a lot of stress. Ryokan seems to have understood that. Hmm. And let's do the last one here. The wind brings enough of fallen leaves to make a fire. To me, the wind brings enough of fallen leaves to make a fire is about contentment, is about presence again, you know. It's plenty, there's plenty of life here. And this is also what happens through paying attention, is suddenly maybe we can go towards back towards the curious joy of uh, Sylvia Borstein. Suddenly it's like, there's plenty of reality here. Why would I need another reality? Why would I need this to be otherwise? This is plenty here. Look at this. Oh, slightly broken heart. Look at this. This is such a unique experience, such a unique manifestation of life. Let me care for it. Why would I need to care for something else? This is plenty to care for. You know, just this, and so that's what I hear when he says, you know, these few fallen uh, leaves are enough, enough. You know, maybe I should do. Um, let's leave Ryokan and go towards the bikunis, the 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 nuns of the time, the nuns of the time, the reports of the the poems of the nuns of the time of the Buddha. So women practitioners 2,600 years ago or so, that's amazing that this has been documented. We know, you know, I think very well, that the words of men have been really well documented, you know. And words of women of 2,600 years ago are very, very precious. It's amazing that they're still there, you know. The guys have done a lot <laughs> for these words not to come through, you know. But if you look on the internet, you can, if you were to Google Teragata, you would find loads of verses, amazing. I was reading this this morning and tears coming down and like depth of wisdom and like a sense of like, wow, we have the words of, of practitioners, women practitioners of 2,500 or 600 years ago. That's an amazing thing. And they're all there, translated in English and some of them in French even. Uh, but this one here uh, she says 
so freed, so freed, so thoroughly freed am I from my pestle, my shameless husband, and and his sunshade making, my moldy old pot with its water snake smell, aversion and passion I cut with a chap. Having come to the foot, foot of a tree, I meditate, absorbed in the bliss. What bliss? This is not the one I was going to read, was the one just before, but it's very similar, this one. It's, it's from somebody else, but it's very... I liked uh, this one, I thought it had humor in it, but there was a particular bit that I thought was very profound. Is so freed, so thoroughly freed am I from three crooked things set free. From mortar, mortar, from pestle, and crooked old husband. <laughs> <laughs> Having uprooted the craving that leads to becoming, I'm set free from aging and death. I'm set f- so free, even free from aging and death. Who in here can clean, claim being free from <laughs> aging and death? Not mean, meaning that it won't come, meaning that it's totally okay, N- meaning that I'm not threatened. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just a complete acceptance of these facts, like a, even maybe a joyful acceptance of these facts. You know, f- totally free. And what I like particularly here is when she says. Having uprooted the craving that leads to becoming, and mm. and I, like when I read this, I'm like, wow, she did her job well, you know. This this notion of becoming, this like this kind of force that we have inside of us that's like, I want this. When I get this, I'm going to be happy, and kind of we nurture this and we f- we invest in this and we and our happiness is over there, you know. When I get this, when I and then I get it. And then suddenly that thing has been has been trained, and now it's like, but now we want it, we want to keep it going. I, I don't want to lose it now that I got it. It's not only that I wanted it; it's that I don't want to lose it. Also, or I want more of it. You know, I want, you know, and and then it's a little bit more, and then I get this, and then it's a little bit more, and you can maybe translate this in your own experience if it fits. But it says that this kind of uh, craving becoming sometimes it's something I want a thing sometimes it's a kind of a status or a a way I'm going to be perceived by someone or a group or an institution or a milieu or something you know I want to be seen like I'm driven by this becoming I want to become this person who did that you know and and she actually looked at this 2600 years ago this was going on you know, she looked at that and she's like, I actually let go of the fascination for this thing that I want to get from this person or this, you know, society or something, you know, and I actually turned around and looked at this face to face kind of or looked at the actual experience of it like, this is stressful. This is hard on me. This wanting to become this, become this, and this force. And this, this actually is nothing. Uh, Benign, because in Buddhist thoughts, it says. Anyway, that's interesting to information. I think to consider, it says this force is so powerful that at the moment of death, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna stay. 
and it's going to recreate another body somewhere. This is like rebirth kind of stuff. I don't know about this. I haven't experienced it personally. I might have, but I certainly don't remember it. So I can't claim this, but I might use it just as a symbol of how powerful it can be. I want to become like, I want to be seen by this person in this way, you know, and I'm going to get it and I'm going to do everything to get it. And, I, you know, or I want to gain this thing in life, you know, and, and she questioned that. She looked at this and she said, actually, this is not for my good. I want to let this, I have been so attentive to that powerful thing inside of me and I've seen it so well, the stress it causes, that I, I've been convinced to actually release it. Release it. I've seen it so well that I'm free, totally freed. I, I don't have this desire to, and it's not, it's opposite, which would be something like uh, annihilation or something, you know, like I don't want to be, this would be another mistake, you know. We're talking here about the middle path in Buddhism. It's the not to get too caught in this, you know, to use this sparingly, you would say, like uh, some uh, product you have under the sink in the bathroom, you know, like, like it's actually very potent stuff. You don't want to throw this all around, you know, because it's going to hurt, you know. It's very, this wanting to become such, like it's really worth stopping and saying, like, do I really want to invest in this? Mm. You know, because we know we can put decades in certain things, you know, like, do I really want to put that much energy in? Is it really going to provide for a depth of happiness, you know? Because often when we get these things, like, wow, that's not actually completely doing it. I still feel kind of hollow or not complete, you know? Maybe there's something else, you know? So 2,600 years ago, she looked at this, and she's like, I actually looked at this craving, that, or grasping, I can, what's the word she uses, that leads to more becoming, and actually, I'm freed from that. There's not many people who can claim to be freed from that, you know. It needs a lot of work, a lot of attention, you know. And so this freedom, after, can take the color of joy, Kind of, it can be the color of peace. It can be the color of joy, of ease. You know. So many words, but I hope I was a little bit in the field that I was planning to be in. <laughs> or if I'm, I'm left field. At least I hope at least that there's some juice in there for us. You know, some some stuff to pay attention to in our life. Are there any? Questions, comments, things that arise for you as you hear, things that you want to challenge, maybe, or, you know, you're questioning for yourself. sometimes I find it difficult sometimes to give everything to something and not let you know I find the self comes in you know like to want to do something so well Uh um, and give everything to it um, everything I can to it and I'm always watching how the self will come in and you know, be wanting recognition yeah. or be wanting, you know, the, this craving of being, oh, now I'm this because I've done that or whatever. 
but it's very, you know, it's it's a subtle. It's very yeah. subtle to be doing and and trying to do well in something, um, in an activity, say, and then, you know, being attentive to this self, you know, that grows and appears and. You know, just paying attention is it difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not easy. And yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a good thing that the Buddha said, "I it, if it was not possible to do this, I would not ask you." So it's kind of like it's like it's hard. It's not easy, but it's doable. You know, mm-hmm. and also part of it, is, like what you're describing, is is the actual practice of it. Like it, it. Uh, this is what it does, and then we see how the mind entangles itself, you know. It wants to be generous, let's say. Like, oh, let me be generous, I'll help you. And suddenly it's like, oh, I'm a generous person. Like, it makes a self out of it, you know. And then this is a little distorted. It's not pure, it's not beautiful, it's not, it's not liberating anymore. It's not just being generous. It's like, oh, now I'm defining myself by it, you know, or accomplishing something well. And so all these little disturbances or distortions or, you know, these, these little stresses that arises... We want to know them, and that's why we're happy there's this kind of mindfulness that is non-violent, non-judging. It's not to say, like, look, you make a self of yourself again, you know, like <laughs> it, and it adds another layer of judgment and harshness, you know. So that curious joy, maybe of Sylvia, would say, like, oh, look at that, how amazing, it's doing this again. You know, that's what I call the vipassana joy. That's, vipassana is the kind of practice that I'm talking about, of the mindfulness practice that develops insight. Uh, vipassana means insight, actually. And so in, there's a, a, a kind of joy that I call vipassana joy. Is I see how the mind grasps, clings, defines itself by something beautiful or ugly, you know, and, and how it adds stress, you know. And in a way, it's really strange, but it makes me happy. I'm like, oh, I just saw it. Look at that. The mind did something that is not wholesome. It's not noble. It's not a beautiful thing to do. But it does that. That's what it does. It just doesn't know better. So suddenly it's like, not only does it say something that is not helpful, after it hates itself, you know. <laughs> and so instead of just saying something that is not useful and recognizing, oh, this is not useful, we should be careful here, you know. It's, it just adds another layer of... Uh, and so when we catch this, we can like, oh, I just saw how, it, how it's unwell used, you know. And there might be another way. In there, there can be a release, you know. That you can say like, oh... It's just creating a self. Let's release it. And oops, no. <laughs> I'm going to create a self with this. You know, it's very important. I want to define myself by this. You know, I'm a good writer, player, you know, whatever it is. You know. and, uh, and so in a way we have to be kind. We have to be clear mm-hmm. and kind. They're not opposite, you know. Oh, I can see that the mind is doing this and kind, you know. So, but that's the practice. It's a kind of, in a way... With practice, what I find is it becomes kind of fun, you know. It's like, oh my God, you know, this mind is like, it'll turn anything into itself, you know, into, <laughs> into owning, and you know, and, and, you know, it can do that, you know. But it's okay, this, th- we all do this, it's part of the, the practice. But it's good to recognize that it's not easy. But not to conclude that it's a failure, you know, it's a process, you know. In your Buddhist belief, where do you, where does the ego stand? Or you, you never speak of the ego? Yeah, no, the ego and the Buddhist thought, or maybe I couldn't talk about it well, you know. The, uh, uh, 
the way I would talk about this, and I don't represent the whole of Buddhism, you know, it's my understanding of it, but uh, is um, is that there's a, there can be a certain clarity about um, uh, t- the, the understanding towards where I'm going more and more, and it feels very much in, the, in line with what the Buddha seems to have been teaching, is that there's no need... We could talk about the middle path. An extreme would be to actually own everything and be identified with everything that happens in the mind or in the body. The body is me, I'm the body, it's mine, me or mine. Or another extreme would be to be totally responsible. You know, ah, there's anger, it's not me, so I just lash out, you know. <laughs> and in the middle, there's a middle path of a responsibility, which has, is not, is not uh, identification, but a recognition, mindfulness. I'm mindful and I can see by being attentive, being conscious that this that is being thought is cruel and is not going to be helpful. It's mm-hmm. going to be damaging for the mind and for the relations. You know. mm-hmm. And uh, just recognizing that this energy could say that, or that's a little new agey maybe, but I could say factor of mind, that quality of mind is present and it can be released. You know, It doesn't have to be fed generosity arise I don't have to define myself by it I can recognize that generosity is a universal factor that can arise in any mind it's actually a wholesome one and it can be it can be nourished you know there's no need for an ego in there or uh, and there's also a need for boundaries you know a cl- clarity about oh this is going to be damaging for this mind if these things I have th- kinds of things are said freely <laughs> you know so there's a need to say no you know and so, in this way, so I don't know how to bridge it with modern psychology and the notion of ego. You know. But it's a definitely a tricky thing to own and identify and make appropriation of things that are natural and conditional. You know, everything you can think of, like my accent right now, it's Pascal, he has a, s- a strong accent, accent when he speaks English. This is totally conditional, it depends on where I'm born who raised this being, all this, you know, how it unfolded. This, there's nothing personal about it. It's made of the world, you know. And anything else is, is, can be seen in this way also. I have a, a comment. Uh, so I was very, I was sick this summer, and uh, so I had uh, five months that I didn't have to work, uh, work kind of heavy counseling and drug addiction. and It's like a mash unit. Uh, and I use this time, uh, I, I open myself to be grateful uh, for this time in order to deepen my practice. So I was pretty exhausted, mm. and I, I worked on deepening my practice and uh, all those good things we talk about. Um, so my concern is, uh, I see things coming up, but it's my, my whole world got very, very quiet. It slowed down. Things that mattered didn't matter anymore. It, it really had to mm-hmm. slow down in order. I was on treatment and in order for that's the way it was. Yeah. It's very cool. And now? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Things are changing. Now I have to go back in yeah. two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, just a little bit concerned sometimes about so many things happening so fast. Yeah. And I've been in this very nice. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So about, I guess, it, it, I'll just 
maintain my, my practice. How to transition and what can be helpful, things yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the grounding, so many of the things I was talking about, as you know, you know, the grounding in the body is going to be extremely important. Yeah. The being there in the, in the in-between times, you know, like when you move from one place to the other, when you go towards your car, towards the subway, to actually be there. Because so much of the time we can be zombie-like or lust, kind of. But to make a practice, to use all these middle activities, you know, to actually be there, you know, so this is going to be extremely uh, helpful. And uh, connection with the body as you're doing your, you know, in, in the, you're in relation with people and stuff, to actually feel the sitting bones, you know, feel the breath, like everything that is sense-based, body-based, the senses, hearing, taking all this, and the caring qualities of the heart, you know, the being kind to oneself, kind in the midst of like, now it's, the pace is going to pick up, so of course the, mi the mind is going to be a little bit more agitated, a little bit more lost, you know, uh, less spacious, you know, to bring a lot of kindness, of of course, my love, of course, my love, it, it would be like this, it would be only natural, you know. And so, you know, to be really, really kind with oneself you know, is going to be extremely important. Yeah. And it's going to be messy. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, it won't be perfect. No, it won't. And can that be okay, you yeah, know? Yeah, that has to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Hmm. Okay, so I wonder if we could finish with a few minutes of uh, just sitting together and uh, letting the words dissolve here, you know, and the ideas and concepts and just to drop in the body and heart. Again, not that we have to feel anything precise, you know, it's not like we have to feel this or that. It's about really discovering what's there, the numbness, indifference, tiredness, joy, gratitude, whatever version of life is there. It's not so much what is there, it's how we're attending to it. That is what we're actually nurturing, cultivating. The non-reactive interested mind and heart becoming intimate with things as they are right now.
nothing to fix or gain. Just a quality connection with something happening now. Breath, sensations in the hands, sounds, or the state of the heart, mind, See if there is a quality of mind, of heart that you want to wish for yourself. Invite maybe more this week. Care, attention, courage, kindness, compassion, balance, curiosity. be helpful for you along the way and for people around you. we might just uh, want to dedicate this uh, moment, these moments of reflection and considerations and attention to the welfare of all beings those we know and those we don't know and those here and about to depart and those to come that they can uh, benefit from our practice in some ways Okay, thank you so much for creating the creating this opportunity for us to, to meet like this. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.